1: Hello, welcome to episode eight. We're at Inside Tour Pod on social, and to warn you, this episode does include swearing. Our ten-part adventure with the Lions of '97 has arrived at the Test series. Inside the tour,
2: that Test team, Test team: Wallace, Wood, Smith, Davidson, Johnson, Hill, Delario, Robber, <sighs> Dawson, Townsend, Gibbs, Guskett. Yain, yeah, Tatey, Jenks, Yeah, I still roll off the tongue.
0: Stepping out into Newlands, like Newlands is magic. Do you know what, just, you know, we, we've got the tactics to win this. The full story of the British and Irish lines in South Africa. It was
3: the biggest day I'd ever had. Inside the tour.
1: Matches down, seven victories, one defeat. The Lions have been through the mill already. Some casualties along the way, some stirring performances, but still massive underdogs as we reach the first Test match. Opponents, the world champions. The Springboks finally unleashed. Newlands, Cape Town. This is the story of a remarkable rugby match. And from the moment the Lions arrived, I think we all knew this was going to be a very
4: special day. We knew that we're up against the world champions and some of the greatest names to ever play the game were the opposition. That was the drill.
5: Ian McGeehan's just a really emotive character in terms of what he said, how he brought the best out of you, he made you realise that it mattered.
2: One thing we, we agreed was we'd do all our rugby work and have it finished by Thursday. So we didn't train on a Friday. We gave the players 48 hours before the test match when everything was done. But what we did do is we went out for a cream tea, afternoon tea. And in Cape Town, we went to the the gardens. We'd got it all set up Dave McLean, who was the fitness man, I don't think necessarily agreed with it. You talk about fit, but to be fair to Dave, he ahead of us had booked everything or found a place and booked everything. So we'd go for a walk together as the test group uh, and then we'd, we'd have cream scones, a cup of tea, but all we were doing was talking just, and then we'd have the team meeting on Friday evening, but we didn't train on a Friday.
4: I'm Scott Gibbs. I played in the centers. To some degree, the first test selection was a little bit of a shock to me because I hadn't had a lot of game time and there was others that were playing superbly well. I, I was a little bit uh, nervous because I- I'd had a- an early injury that was very reminiscent to an injury that, that I received in 93. So I understand the gamble
2: or the of choosing me because it was right in my wheelhouse i Neil Jenkins, starting fullback. I got picked against Natal on the Saturday and then that was probably when I thought, well, once the team was announced, well, I've got a hell of a chance here. Uh, need to front up on Saturday and play well and and obviously we do as a team as well. I don't think there's any guarantees on anything. Um, but probably that was the only time then did I think that maybe I got, I got a chance to, you know, maybe start in a test match. That was the first time, if I'm honest. John Bentley, British and a Wow, wow.
6: And I opened up the letter and the first word I was Congrat- congratulations. I went, yes, in the tea room downstairs. And I thought, yes, who shall I tell first? Mum, dad, wife, children, blah, 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 blah. blah. All the lads will be so pleased back home. And then I brought it down it said, you've been selected as a replacement. And I was devastated, absolutely devastated. Um, but again, we to go back to the fact that there's only 15
2: players could take the field. At least I was on the bench, I had a chance. I was rooming with uh, Tony Underwood at the time as well so it was very tough like you know because I'm over the moon uh, I'm thrilled to be playing uh, you know a test match for the Lions Tony you know who did a fantastic tour and is a fantastic player top top man um, was my roommate and you know it's very difficult because your emotions are so different you know I, I was involved Tony wasn't and um, I always remember I think Tony saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave you be if you don't mind. I'm going to go for a walk. I said, no, look, you know, I, I understand it's very difficult uh, to actually say anything. And, uh, but you don't want to show your emotions because you're thinking of your teammate as well. It's very frustrating
6: preparing to play a game of rugby from the bench because you have no idea at what point you're going to be on the field. Because I'm so disappointed. But I, I, you had to digest that and not allow that to become evident. You've got to experience adversity sometimes. You can't have everything going your own way all the time. And that makes you hungry as well. And renews the appetite.
3: I'm Keith Wood. I was the Lions hooker in 1997. Yeah, well, look, I was a kid. I was 25. Um, It was the biggest day I'd ever had. I was following in my father's footsteps. He'd played for the Lions in 59. Yeah, it was interesting. My father died when I was only 10. So I didn't, I'd never had the time to discuss anything uh, about it with him. He'd never seen me play rugby at any level. And so, yeah, for those things, there's a poignancy that goes with that, of course. But it was just a nice thing. It was a really nice thing for my mother, actually, you know. And that was something, I I, I have to say, that she kind of got a second bite of the cherry of it, too.
2: The emotion of that, when you you mentioned sometimes, you know, your mum and dad this is your grandparents, you know, stuff that you've done from when you've grown up as a kid. You know, when they've taken you, you there in every way. It's a thanks in the end, and, it? But look, you know, what you've did is, you know, hopefully I'm going to try and do this for you today, really, is, uh, you know, try and perform, play well, try and win a test for the Lions in South Africa, which, you know, is, is, is not something people do day in, day out. And uh, it's a thanks to your family as well, at the end of the day, for what they've done for you.
3: I had a fair level of trepidation. Look, I think we'd all proven ourselves that we were good enough to play for the Lions by the performances, you know, on that tour. So I think we had a really good sense of team. There's a difference for playing for the Lions and winning with the Lions. And that's the trepidation. You don't want to leave people down. That's a, that's a kind of horrible thing to have in your head. It's a great thing if you can balance it properly, but it's horrible too. Um, and you just want to go out and play to your best, not be afraid of making mistakes because you're always going to make them, but you don't want to let the guys down. You know, that's, that is, that's a big thing.
6: Newlands Cape Town. Tight. Tight. Intimidating. Tight. Stands. Steeply banked. The World Cup started here. The famous World Cup won by these South Africans. Champions. World champions. Their backyard, their turf, theirs to lose.
2: One thing that always stands out for me is getting off the bus outside Newlands and, um, you know, to get your bag, to go into changing rooms, and that was just, that was manic. That was crazy. That was that was uh, that again. That's goose pimply stuff. And now that's uh, you don't see anything like that ever. You know, you play for your country and you go to World Cups and stuff, and and it's incredible. But actually, that when you're getting off the bus and you know the atmosphere and the ground itself the atmosphere leaving the hotel when it's just tons and tons of fans everywhere is um, is very difficult to explain really it's, uh, it's an incredible feeling but uh, it fills you full of pride as well because obviously you're representing the lions and you're representing the four home nations and all these fans and all these you know supporters that come and watch you actually play and uh, you know you you're doing your utmost to give them a fantastic day as well as yourself the intensity
4: amongst the atmosphere in, in the stadia was just immense. I'd never experienced anything like it. And certainly the, we knew that we were, we were up against the world champions.
3: Stepping out into Newlands, uh, like Newlands is magic.
4: You know, it just, it's a great ground. It's
3: great noise. Um, you know, they are wonderful stadia down in South Africa.
2: You go out, you do your warm up and stuff and everything and you you know, you're ready to go and uh, and it's, it can be a long time in the change rooms, I can assure you, before you go in. It's one of them periods in your life where you want it to actually pass pretty quickly. You know, you need you need to get out there, you need to get on the pitch, you need to get the game underway, Like because uh, it's it's, it's, a, it's a funny feeling. I'm not gonna lie to you, it's a strange feeling. It's not a nice feeling because you know, I'm sure some people will, will take it in their stride. Uh, for myself, I'm always one of them nervous people. I'm constantly, you know, being sick or heaving. Um, I want to spend most of my time on the toilet. I just need to get out there. Really, as soon as I step out, you come into the tunnel and you step on the pitch. Well, you know, I'm a different person. I'm honest. I feel I feel like, yeah, here we go. We are ready the rock now. It's about time. You know. You know, I just remember running out, and it's just it is an unbelievable feeling. You know. You're in their backyard. Um, you've got an incredible amount of support with you as well. Like, and uh, the atmosphere is just it's just electric. You know, the first test was electric. Actually, I put my first kick off out in the full, so um, so, <laughs> which wasn't a good start for myself, really. But the atmosphere, the Springboks, running out there, and it's just it's incredible. They're an incredibly supporting nation as well. You know, they love their rugby over there. Their boys are like gods at the end of the day, so um, it is just... Yeah, it's unreal. It's difficult to explain, really. But once you get out there, you're ready to go. You just want to get into the game.
0: Do you know what? We've got the tactics to win this. I'm Matt Dawson, and I played scrum half on the Lions Tour in 1997. There were key, key parts of the game, tactically, that we needed to get right. One of them was the scrummage.
3: It was not to take them on at their area of strength, but to destabilize their area of strength. Their area of strength was hitting high, scrummaging at a level where they use all their power. Like when you think Gauze Durant was 21 and a half stone, uh, Adrian Garvey was 19 and a half stone, Wally was 16 stone and so was Tom, you know. So we didn't go at their strength. We tried to use their strength against them. And that's that's a difference, and there's something really interesting about that subtlety of the difference, and it's it's interesting when you hear conversations about playing South Africa now that you have to you have to match them. I, I'm never convinced of that fact. Ever since '97, I'm convinced you have to try and outthink them how you do things.
0: Having Keith Wood and you know either sort of Hilly or Lawrence backing him up in certain areas and how you communicate to the referee and all this sort of stuff, it it didn't look particularly illegal, but the South Africans couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the height particularly that Paul Wallace was scrummaging at, and therefore it just took a weapon away from them. They still had their driving mall, and we had to try and work that out, but that particular set piece, the line out, having someone like Jeremy Davis... Davison, very athletic, very gangly, very different in the line-out to take the focus away from Martin Johnson a lot of the time. And then the way that we won the ball from ruck to ruck, we basically just cheated at every single ruck because in the Northern Hemisphere, you just wouldn't get away with diving in on the ball. But in the Southern Hemisphere, that's how they played – that, that, that you would just seal it off. If you went into a ruck, it was gonna be your ball in the next... There wasn't all this jackling and and poaching so much. So that's how we practiced. People like Neil Back, I remember coaching us as well as playing, obviously, but we would be coaching everybody how to dive off and seal the ball. And that's all that we would do. So you're going into these rucks, everyone's just flying off their feet but it meant that we kept the ball and they couldn't steal it. And then on top of that, the idea of scoring points and having someone like a Neil Jenkins where whichever, you know, let's face it, it wasn't a fullback, but having a 80, 90% goal kicker in your team was good for 15, 16 points.
2: I'd always say to myself, that there's a game that would go on and then... You're kicking your goals. so there was two separate moments for me. I'd always put myself in the game mode and then in the goal kicking mode. So when the penalty comes, you know I'd probably change then from a player to a goal kicker. And, and the need to this needs to go over basically, you know that would be the only pressure I would certainly put on myself and uh, the importance of the kick. But the mental side of things is huge when you're actually kicking goals and stuff, and being able to actually put yourself in, you know, in in, in somewhere else really than where you actually are. And um, and that's how I feel. Or certainly for myself would would work for myself. You know, it just be literally game. Goal kicking game, goal kicking. Just my mode would change um, when I needed to be, and um, you know, it hopefully you know, generally uh, would would turn out all right. Now you put
0: all of those things together with an incredibly well-drilled defence and a, an attitude that was born away from the rugby field, and actually from all of the things that I've mentioned at the beginning of the tour. You know, we we had the components to frustrate South Africa. I, we walked,
3: I remember we're going up to the front scrum and I, I look at across at the guys and I played against these guys. I knew them, you know, not well, but I knew them. They were, geez, they were huge, you know, and we go to hit the scrum and I would say there was almost, I don't know if there was a silence and this could be after the effect, you know, um, but it was almost like there was a silence before they hit at the scrum. And we hit the scrum, and we got knocked five yards back. I said, "Jesus Christ, this—yeah, you know, this is what we're going to have to deal with." I set the height of the scrum, at the hooker, and I had gone six inches too high. I just said, "Lower." The next in you know, the next scrum, we went to us lads. We have to go lower. Sorry, we we have to go lower, and we hit the next scrum. we hit it at exactly the right height and they knocked us back two meters. But two is a damn sight better than five, I'll tell you that. And it's not demoralizing, whereas the first one was demoralizing. And with every scrum that went, the longer we wrestled with them, the longer the scrums went on, the lower we scrummaged, the harder it was for them to keep their feet. So they were having to bring their feet up closer to them so that they weren't falling down. And with about 10 minutes to go in the first half, I think we hit a scrum. And we pushed them back. back. And I said, wow, there's something.
6: Inside the tour. A huge
2: test match against South Africa, the world champions at at, at Newland.
6: The inside story told by those who were there.
3: Even though you're getting a bit of a nudge on them, you're shattered. This is a white hot test match. Played at a ludicrous pace. A ludicrous pace. Yeah, I can, I can guarantee you, you think that this is an area of joy. There's no joy in this. I'm Keith Wood. We're on the Lions Tour 1997. Coming on off the back of a long season playing rugby, a couple of surgeries, uh, a few matches on tour, and you're playing this and you're tired all the time. So, of course, you feel a bit of pride and satisfaction when you get a bit of a nudge on them. But on that test series... You were sucking diesel for the whole thing. you were looking for oxygen wherever you could. Look, I knew in the second half of especially the last twenty minutes of the of the first test, we were comfortable in in the scrum, but it was that's comfortable in that you're not going back or maybe you've had a bit of a nudge on them, but it's not it's not comfortable where you relax. There's no relaxing in this thing at all.
4: I remember mid second half and Keith was was down with a with a calf injury. I'm Scott Gibbs. This is inside the tour. You know, I was so excited about where we were in the game that one small error cost this Test match, and I remember him on the floor. You know, I tore ankle ligaments, and
3: I got on and played on. It was incredibly painful. I chased a, a ball that was kicked, and I slipped, and whatever way I slipped. I slid onto the outside of my left um ankle and tore the ankle ligaments on my left ankle and I was down for a little bit and I got up and went to played on and I said, Yeah, you know, it's so tough, right? So about five minutes later, I got smashed in a in a in a ruck and I was lying on the ground and and I just said, I think I've given enough. I don't know if I have anything else I can give. And I looked over, and Scott Gibbs caught
4: my eye. He was rolling around with a, with what potentially could have been a pulled calf. And I thought he knew.
3: I thought he could see into my head and say, "Oh my God, he's he's a coward. He's chickening out." And he roared in at me. Would he get up off the ground? Get back on your feet. Get back into the line and and defend beside me.
4: And I said, get up, you ball fat fuck. And with my ankle flapping, you know, like a dead duck. And he kind of sprung up like a like a penguin out of the water, you know, and I said, get back in there, get back in there. We can we can we can we got plenty of time to recover tomorrow.
3: My God, did I get up off the ground? Did I sprint back in line?
4: This was no time in a test match to get tired or to feel that, you know, you've done your part and it's time for somebody to come on. I just remember his response. You know, bang, he got back into it, back into the jersey, back into the role, back into the thick of the game.
3: Got back into the line and played on and finished the game.
4: You know, Keith was such a, an influential part of, of of the squad. Clearly, you don't want to see anybody injured and you don't want to see anybody taken off unnecessarily. And I think that kind of motivational boost to say, get off the floor, get back in there, Woody, um, was well-received. I admitted it
3: to him at that dinner, whatever it was, 10 years later, and he said, Yeah, that was, the, um,
4: that was the thought. He said, I thought you were chickening out. And actually, I was chickening out. These type of test matches, you cannot leave anything off the field. It's got to be 100% commitment. So that, that mentality was certainly conveyed in this instance to a phenomenal player and, and a great teammate.
6: the full story of the 97 Lions in South Africa.
4: There's a sensory overload, anticipation, excitement, and when they all collide, uh, it creates a chemical reaction, doesn't it? The roar, the support, a lead is being eroded, and you are moving one step closer to finishing a test match ahead, and I think that give us an enormous boost in the second half. This is Austin Healey. We're on the Lions
5: tour to South Africa in 1997. You asked your very first question, was the, the Lions tour the making of my international career? It was certainly the making of Matt Dawson's international career. That dummy that he threw is possibly the best dummy ever thrown by any rugby player in the history of the
0: game. That was the first scrum where Rod, where we called the same 8 pickup, and Rod has turned around and sort of looked at me as before he put his head in the second row's asses. And just said solo, which was the variation. Basically, you get the strike right, he puts it onto his right foot to give me a bit of width to run. And I think it was the first time that he'd said, I've had, you know, he just looked at me and said, Look, I've had my head smashed in here for 55, 60 minutes. You know, give me a break. And so he just said, What are you solo, just do solo? And of course, I ended up getting around the blind side. Yian coming on a switch, which on any other normal day, is the most Judas of switches ever because it means that I'm going to get completely smashed into smithereens. But of course, the South Africans don't know anything about me. They've not, they've not done any research on me. They think they're playing against Rob Howley. If, if Rob Howley did that, there is not a chance that they would have fallen for a dummy because he was such a threat that they knew they had to mark him. But... I just think they were, everyone was Everyone was worried about Yian Evans, you know, this legendary winger who loves to cut back, take the scissor, and he's dangerous, changing direction. To be honest, I don't think I have really saw him. Yian came on the switch, it was, and as my right arm has come up, it's got to a sort of about here, and I can see people are already sort of like stepped back and stopped. And I've still got another 20 degrees of dummy in me, and in that 20 degrees, I'm thinking, you know, this is all happening in a, in a millisecond, but I'm thinking they've all stopped on me. You know? I'm just gonna hold on. And then I saw uh Joubert, the full back, stop and sort of put his hands up. And well, I'm just f- sort of going as fast as I can into the corner. So I've got all the momentum. Well, I'm just gonna hold on to the ball. If I give that to Yai and he's gonna get absolutely creamed. And then you turn back and I'm, I'm strolling in. It's not like I'm sprinting into the corner and just dotting it down. It was proper Moses in the parting of the sea. I mean, it was insane, really.
5: You know, he made five players move in the wrong direction with one flick of the wrist, and he managed to break from the base and get out the outside uh, Kruger, I think, at six, which was a rarity in terms of his pace. Wynn,
4: Dawson... Um took off and, and did what he did, I think the level of excitement and, and adrenaline within myself just rose off the, off the charts, and I think that was accentuated then by the roar of the crowd, which really gave us a boost, you can, you, you can imagine. You know, I remember watching it just thinking, fair play, that was pretty good.
0: I, I remember saying at the time it was a proper old, you know, that's an old-school dummy. I, I mean, I haven't done a dummy like that since school and, you know, never did, never did one again. It was... Everything just slotted into place. Really, it was um, it's amazing to have such a great career. You know, loads of us had brilliant, brilliant careers, and most rugby players will have a moment in their rugby career where they'll think that was that was mad. How did I get away with that? Or and it's, you can say the same about any sport. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be a try or a goal. It could be a pass. It could be a kick. It could be. A tackle could be anything, but to have that moment where I, my moment uh, that I remember and you know will tell the boy my boys about in years to come in such a game is mind blowing. Really, yeah. <laughs> People are high fiving you. Go, oh my god, that's amazing! You walk back, and all you can see is Tim Rodber just like shaking his head, <laughs> thinking, "You lucky bastard." just had my head kicked in for 60 minutes, and now I've got to put up with your shit for the rest of my life.
1: 23 minutes, South Africa try, 8-3. Half-time, South Africa 8, the Lions 9. 44 minutes, South Africa try, they're back in front. 50 minutes, South Africa penalty, they lead 16-12. Another from Jenkins. 16-15. 73 minutes. The Lions lead
0: 20-16. Well, we of course then had South Africa chase in the game. And part of that tactic, or part of those key tactics that we knew would unravel South Africa is if they needed to chase the game. If they basically, if they needed to think, they were in trouble.
4: Well, I loved it because it was part of a backline movement that just was a short drop-off type of play. And I I kind of bounced out of one tackle and and maybe, you know, got five metres beyond the the, the gain line, which gave us speed of ball. And then to see the ball from, you know, my, my vista on the floor being moved from right to left. Then that lovely passage of play, going to the right side, coming
0: back left trucked it up, people out of position, I think it was Rodders that fly
4: half and threw like a half dummy and then popped it over the top. With Tatey putting his finger up in the air and scoring a try was of oh, oh, great celebration and relief. I mean, it was champagne rugby. No one in the rugby world
0: saw the Lions doing that. No, nobody. The Lions lead 25-16. It was so unexpected and that that try sort of epitomised all of it. Tatey ran around doing his pistols. You know, that's how we wanted to play rugby. and But we knew we were never going to do that in the first 10, 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes. It was going to be when they were chasing the game, which is where we got them to. Full-time, South
1: Africa 16, the Lions 25.
3: You don't believe anything until the final whistle goes. And having not won a huge amount with Ireland, I was doubting everything at that stage, you know. You just, you want to hear the whistle blown twice,
4: almost just to make sure the game is over. From closing out that game and finishing strong in that test match, I knew then that we could go on to great things and go into that second test with just that much more commitment and confidence.
3: You know, it was a fantastic feeling, but also terrifying feeling, because the game is over. You've 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 got the result, and you know you have to do it again. All you're doing is thinking about God. Can I recover for next week? Because they're going to come back harder and stronger. They're hurt now. It's funny when I think of it now. And I was I'm confident, you know, um, but you're racked with. I don't even know if it's doubt, but you're wrecked with circumstance almost, you know, you're trying to see what's going to happen next week. So when we got to the second test.
1: Well, Keith, hang on a minute. We need a whole new episode for that.
4: It was the second test. Everything on the line. Episode
1: nine comes from Kings Park, Durban. The second test match with the Lions leading one nil. This will be like nothing we've ever experienced before. There was that intensity. It was always going to be close. Just unreal. Boy, it was intimidating. Biggest game of our lives. Let us know how you were following the series and your feelings at that time. We're at Inside Tour Pod on social. This is a 9419 production for Audi.